Well, that was some hilarious stuff and some great singing by our team, huh? Let's give it up for them today. Yeah, they did a wonderful job. Awesome. Awesome. Merry Christmas to everybody, Pastor Jennifer and I. And uh, before I speak, we just wanted her to come and greet all of you. Yes. Good morning, everybody, and Merry Christmas. Can you believe it's almost Christmas? I just wanted to encourage you. Uh, Pastor Bettina said something this morning about how we say we just kind of want a normal Christmas. Well, you know, 2020 has been everything but normal, right? And, uh, but she said, what is normal? And I think that that's a good way and a good perspective to look at Christmas this year because every year there's something a little bit different, right? And so I just want to encourage you, don't long for maybe what used to be or what it was like last year or the year before, but let your hearts be settled in that this year that God is present with you, that to date you have lived through 100% of your worst days. Right? If you're here this morning or if you're watching online, you have lived through 100% of your worst days. Right? And so we believe that it's only going to get better. And so I just want to encourage you today. Be blessed this Christmas. Have a wonderful time with your family. Start a new tradition. Do something new with your family. And just have a, a, a wonderful week this week. We love you all so much and we pray for you and we are here for you. Amen. Amen. Come on, give it up for Pastor Jennifer. I want to say hey to everybody watching, uh, wherever you are. I saw on YouTube, I think we have people watching from Minnesota, Arizona, uh, where else did I see it? Somewhere else. But uh, other other places around the world, so thanks for being with us. And uh, I just, uh, our team has just done a phenomenal job today. Not only our production team, but all of our praise and worship team and vocalists and musicians. So let's just give it up for them, uh, for all the, we are a talented church, amen. We got talented people and uh, so excited. Uh, to be here with you and those of you here in our studio audience, amen. And uh, just to keep the comedy going, I thought I'd crack a few jokes on you this morning, huh? Praise the Lord. And uh, we just want, before I do that, I just want everybody to know that uh, uh, we're praying for everybody. We realize that this is a, a, a challenging time and people have either gotten COVID, they've got symptoms, they're staying home and and uh, just keep the vitamin C flowing. It'll be good. Amen. And uh, we're praying for everybody. Um, but this too shall pass. Amen. We will make it through to the other side. So uh, just continue to pray for all of our staff, all of our team. And I just want to, again, just thank you for this year of your faithfulness to Generations Church. Uh, in your giving, in your serving, in your joining us Sunday after Sunday online, participating uh, with all the things that we have done our best to provide uh, for our family at Generations Church at all of our locations. Amen. So I just want to say thank you for that. Uh, so I tried out my jokes on Joaquin this morning, and he sort of laughed. And uh, we're talking about Joaquin Alisea, not Joaquin Losenau. So uh, Joaquin will laugh at anything, but... Uh, uh, so, kids, kid, where do Santa's reindeer stop for coffee? Come on, come on, no answers. Starbucks, of course, Starbucks. Praise the Lord. It's the only place. I need my drummer crash cymbals right there. Come on. And this is a good 2020 Christmas joke. How will the elves clean and prepare Santa's sleigh this year? They will use sanitizer. Come on, put the laughing emojis right there. That's a good COVID-19 Christmas joke. Come on, people. 
Amen. That was terrible. All right. Praise the Lord. Uh, Tim Hawkins is amazing. So it's good. Good effort. I tried. I tried hard. So um, it is Christmas, and it seems weird because today is December 20th, and Christmas is actually still four or five days away. Uh, so it seems a little strange to have Christmas service today because, number one, in California, it doesn't feel cold, uh, and it's just a little bit different this year. But we have to remember the reason for the season. Amen. And uh, I put a post on Instagram uh, a few days ago. It had a uh, reason for the season, uh, Christmas season. It had the, the wreath, and then it had the crown of thorns that was placed on Jesus' head. Tis the reason for the season. And uh, just to remind ourselves of this time of year. So I, I have a little bit of a different take on our Christmas uh, message today. Uh, Going to talk a little bit more of the historical facts and some different things about it. But uh, the first thing we need to know is that Christmas is God's expression of, lo of love to the world. Christmas is God's expression of love to the world because he sent his son. He sent his son. It is his expression of love to us. Just as a reminder for those of you who maybe haven't been with us or online with us, we're in a series, this is our third one, last one, on visitations. And uh, Luke 178 says, it's from Zechariah's prophecy, it says, The splendor light of heaven's glorious sunrise is about to break upon us in holy visitation. In holy visitation. You know, we go through life sometimes and we maybe don't recognize the visitations that are happening all around us. That the angelic beings, the angels from heaven are either supporting us, protecting us, supplying for us, going on whatever God tells them to do for us. That sometimes because we're so aware of the natural realm, that we don't really recognize the spiritual realm's influence in our lives. Amen? And so we have to understand that a visitation is appearance of a divine or supernatural being. And a lot of people look at different visitations. You know, people looking for UFO visitations and different types of things. However, the Bible is referring to when it talks about visitations, especially in this prophecy that we just read, about visitations from heaven to earth, about supernatural visitations. Say, Pastor Troy, this doesn't sound very Christmassy-like. Oh, it's very, very Christmassy-like. Amen? It's probably the most Christmassy-like thing you could actually do is when heaven visits the earth. Amen? And so we have to understand, so a visitation uh, from the Christmas story we're going to read today. But first of all, we looked at the visitation of the star when we read about how the wise men saw a star and they followed the star. And how there was a visitation in the stars directing them to where Jesus was to be born. Amen? And we talked about how they said it was in the east. But it doesn't mean that they saw it from the east. It means that they maybe saw it and looked and it was in the west. And I shared with you on that particular day how there's this thing that hasn't happened in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And especially if you look tonight, right at sunset around 5.30 or tomorrow night, you will see the alignment of Jupiter and Saturn creating a supernatural huge star in the southwest direction of our sky. Now prayerfully right now we actually have clear skies in Southern California, so we might actually be able to see it. Amen? So uh, make sure to watch for that. And then Pastor Jennifer last week talked about angels and how the angel appeared and said, I bring you great tidings of good joy. Or great, yeah, I got it, one of those two. Anyhow, and the angel appeared on the scene. Now for an angel just to show up and to share that, that was a visitation. 
It's a visitation from heaven. And I've heard many people talk about how they've seen angels, how they've, they, they've, they've uh, been aware that there's angels in their presence. Of course, the greatest is to be aware of the Holy Spirit's presence. Amen? So today we're going to look at the greatest visitation that has ever come to planet Earth where we are, and that is the visitation of God himself through his son Jesus. Amen? So there's some prophecies that foretold of it. And it's amazing as prophecies, you know, even today we can hear prophecies and we can go, well, I don't know if that's ever going to happen or, or we can kind of, uh, you know, well, we'll just see if that happens or whatever. But there were prophecies foretelling the coming of Jesus years and years ahead of when he actually came. In Zechariah 9, 9, it says, Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey. Zechariah talks about that. And so this is the pinnacle, and of course we read in Matthew 21 where Jesus rode into town on a donkey. Amen? Isaiah prophesied in the book of Isaiah chapter uh, 7 verse 14, it says this, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call him Emmanuel. I think it's amazing that all of these things were prophesied way before Jesus would come on the scene. You would even have to actually think about how weird that prophetic declaration would be. But he still prophesied it and declared it. Micah 5.2 says, foretold about Messiah coming into the town of Bethlehem. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from old and from ancient times. So it talks about even the city or the village or the town of Bethlehem where Jesus was to be born. Now, this is an exciting thing because, see, and we re- we're going to read the story here in just a second. Mary and Joseph only went to Bethlehem because the census was being taken. And that's where they were from. So the only reason they went to Bethlehem is because the census was being taken. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been there. And then while they were there in Bethlehem to report for the census, she became uh, time for her to give birth to Jesus. So they happened to be in Bethlehem fulfilling the prophecy that was already declared in Micah. Amen? It was because this census was about to happen. Isaiah 9, verse 6 is an amazing one. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. We've heard these scriptures and these prophecies before. I I found it interesting as I was researching this that in some translations it would say wonderful, comma, counselor, comma, mighty God, comma. But in other translations it would say wonderful counselor, comma. And so if you look at different translations where the comma falls totally changes how you read that. But I think, you know, personally, wonderful counselor, mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, in other words, he's like, if you don't know what it's going to look like, let me just tell you. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. In other words, that should get their attention. And bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which we know means God with us. Amen. So in Luke chapter 2 is the story that we often read at Christmas time and we talk about. And so I'm going to just quickly go through Luke, but I'm going to focus in Matthew, the account of Matthew, a little bit more today. So I'm just going to read Luke chapter 2, 
verse 1. It says, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census should be taken of the whole empire. This was the first census to take place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register, which is why they went there. So Joseph also went up from Nazareth into Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem since he was from the house of the line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to him in marriage and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her child to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. In the inn, and there were shepherds residing in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Just then, an angel of the Lord, which we talked about last week, stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Now, let me just pause right there. I find it interesting that everywhere you see, pretty much in the Bible, where an angel shows up, they have to say, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And Pastor Jennifer pointed this out last week. I happen to think that personally, it's because of their size. And maybe they don't look like what we think they look like. Maybe they're a little bit more bad to the bone than a little cherub. With big puffy cheeks and little wings. They don't look like maybe what we've seen in some of our arts and crafts on people's shelves. Maybe they look a little bit more... Hardcore Harley Davidson motorcycle riding angels than most people think. And then because they're like nine, ten feet tall, they're standing there. Don't be afraid. Because I look like I should be scaring you right now. Amen. And so every time the angel shows up, it's like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So we pick up and uh, let's go in verse uh, 13. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a great multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. So it says right here, favor rests on men. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, great visitation, the shepherds said to one another, <laughs> let's go get coffee at Starbucks. No, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. In other words, they had a visitation and they foretold of what was happening and they were like, we need to go check this out. Let me just give you a hint. Jesus shows up, the Holy Spirit shows up all the time. Maybe we need to go look for him a little more than we normally are. Amen? In other words, they had this, does it take angels showing up to get you to maybe go back to church? Does it take angels showing up to get you to pray again? Does it get angels showing up to get you to get away from the things in your life that are pulling you away from the things of God? Because when the angels showed up, then they said, we better go check this out. This must be a miraculous visitation of heaven to earth. So verse 16, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger after they had seen the child. Notice it doesn't say infant or baby, but child. They spread the message they had received about him. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for they had heard and seen which was just as the angel had told them. So this is the account of Luke. And it's an amazing account of just uh, the Christmas story of Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus born in the manger and we see the nativity scenes. This basically describes the nativity scenes that maybe we see nowadays in inflatables. 
but you used to see like real ones, right? And a real manger. And, and they used to have live nativity scenes where people would drive by and there would be people like you and I dressed up as a live nativity scene. I don't know if there's any of those anymore, but uh, we don't. nowadays it's just inflatables. You know, we need to make the nativity scene a little bit better than an inflatable. You got inflatable Santa Clauses, you got inflatable Mickey Mouses at Christmas time. We shouldn't just have an inflatable Jesus. Amen? Praise the Lord. Anyhow, just a little side note. Matthew chapter 2, here we go. In verse 1, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. Now notice in Luke it says Caesar Augustus. And here in Matthew it says Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time some wise men from the east, which we just read, lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. Now, let me just time out just for a second, and let me just give you some background here. So in those days, Caesar Augustus was actually uh, ruling very dictator style. And uh, he didn't know anything about um, Jesus coming. He didn't know the prophecies of Jesus being foretold. Neither did King Herod. And so you know the scripts where Jesus says, uh, they said, well, what should we give to Caesar, the taxes? And he goes, well, let me see a coin. Remember that scripture? And, and then they, they pull out a coin and, and they say, well, whose face is on it? And on one side is Caesar. Well, on the other side of the coin is a star. And they called it Caesar's star. So when you see this story here, there was actually decrees and statements going out. Listen to the Savior. Caesar was the truth. Caesar was all these things while Caesar was on the coin. It was sort of misleading people who the real Savior and Messiah would be when they, they got caught up in the dictatorship of Caesar of the day. So therefore, this is why the scripture has to detail to us we saw his star. We didn't see Caesar's star on the back of the coin we have in our pockets. But we saw his star. And they had to declare it differently. And this is why it's such a big deal because of the rule and reign of Caesar of the day. It was really sort of dangerous in the time that Jesus was born. So it says here in verse 2, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. Now time out again. I think it's interesting right here that the wise men came to the palace. The wise men came to the huge castle because it seemed logical if a king was born that he'd be in the palace. But he wasn't there. And that's why they had to inquire of the king. Hey, where's the, where's the king? Where's the new king that we, we heard of, that we were told of? We've come to worship him, and we came to where a king should be, in a palace, in a castle. But notice that he had no idea. King Herod was like, ah, ah, ah. verse 3, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. Why was he deeply disturbed? Because they had been telling people that they were the Messiah. They had been telling people that they were the Savior. They had been telling people that the government was going to save them. Sound familiar? This is why King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this because they're saying, there's a new king. What? Wait a minute. This was prophesied? 
So this is what happens when he heard this. And as was everyone in Jerusalem, verse 4, he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law. Religious law. And asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In other words, King Herod had no idea that there was going to be a king, nor did he know the scriptures that talked about him coming. So he had to call on the scriptural people, the the religious law people and the leading priests to tell him where it was going to be. And watch what happens, verse 5. In Bethlehem and Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. Verse 6, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd to my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. Doesn't want to get this out. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. No, 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 no. See, the only reason that he gave direction because he needed the leading priests and the religious law people to actually verify that the prophetic declarations of the Old Testament that we call it today, but of the writings in their day were actually true, and it was foretelling of the true Savior, the true Messiah, that he was to be born, he was to be born in Bethlehem, and the scriptures actually said exactly where he would be. And he was not in the palace. He was not in the castle, and the kings and Caesar Augustus knew nothing of him because they wanted everybody to worship them. Verse 9, after this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Wouldn't you be? Then they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Pretty much every Christmas I always come against this little religious thing right here where we always think there are three wise men because there were three gifts distributed. And I want to just let you know there were many wise men, but these were the types of gifts that were given. Amen? So in most nativity scenes, you got three decked out wise men and a few shepherds. There was way more wise men than that. Amen? They were astrologers, so we have to be careful what religious traditions we just believe and take on when it doesn't really even line up with what the Scripture actually says. I think it's interesting that the shepherds, that we need to look for Jesus, and we need to seek him out, and that's what they were all about. And then the wise men went to the palace looking for the king, and many times we look in at, at, for Jesus or God in sometimes these huge, ornate buildings, but you don't find Jesus in these huge, ornate cathedrals and places or churches. You find him in your heart. This is where you find him, and they went looking for him in the wrong places, which would, you know, confuse or confound even the people of that day that they found him in a manger. Can you imagine the wise men's disappointment? They have followed this amazing star in the sky, and they followed this star, and you would think this great star that is leading you to the Messiah would take you to a palace. The last place, if I'm a wise man following this star in the sky that I would go looking for the savior of the world, the new king, is in a barn. But he humbled himself. And he became all things to all people. He wasn't just a ruler in a castle or a palace. 
I love the fact that he was born there. And you can, you can look at Scripture and you can see these things. Notice something, and then I'll close here in just a second. Notice something that the leading priests and the religious law people that told Herod the prophecy, notice something, they didn't go find him. You would think the ones that would know the prophecy would go, oh, everything we've known in scriptures and all the prophecies that have been foretold that we study, that we religious law people should know of, when they actually foretold that he was there and that wise men came and they were seeking counsel of where he's at, you would think the religious law people or even the leading priests of the day would actually go and find him in the manger as well, but they did not. In other words, you can know a lot of scripture, but can miss the Savior. There's too many times that there are people who have a lot of religious stuff, and they seem real religious, and they can quote scripture day and night, but you can miss the Savior. Because you only find the Savior when you go looking for him, when you go seeking him, and you might find him in a place that you don't think. Amen? So we have to... Remind ourselves, too many people know what Jesus did, but they don't know what he is doing. We know that Jesus went to the cross. We know he was born on Christmas Day, but what is he doing today? What is he doing? Is he doing anything in you? Are you even aware that he's with you? All of Bible prophecy foretells of Jesus coming. Everything in the world stops to worship the birth of of Jesus, and yet there are people today that will avoid him. There are people today that because of what they think God should have done for them, what they think someone shouldn't have done to them, will keep them from the Savior of the world. These wise men traveled many, many thousands of miles following a star to find the Savior. And yet we find it difficult to travel down the street. Jesus, the Savior of the world, came today. And if there's ever a time, it's 2020, is getting our hearts right with Jesus. Amen? See, we don't go to visit Jesus in a manger. We go to experience who he is. And I don't know where you are today, and I'm speaking to people in the room here with us as well as those of you online. There's never a greater time to have peace and security. You know, there's a lot of people in fear because of COVID-19. But you know what? If you have Jesus, the Bible says he came to bring us peace. He is the prince of peace. And if you find yourself not in peace but in fear more often, then you're relying too much on the world system and not relying on Jesus and his peace that can come into your heart. No matter what your situation is or what's going on, we have to recognize as followers, if there was ever a time that the church should rise and shine, it should be in a time that the world is looking for an answer. And the answer is Jesus. He's our Savior. We can have peace. Amen? You can have peace. Be careful that we don't get so much in fear that we miss the peace of Jesus in our hearts. And if you're not sure if you have that peace, I'm going to pray with you today watching online. I'm going to pray for everybody here. You need to make sure that Jesus is in your heart. I mean, if there's ever a time where I would want to make sure if something happened to me, if suddenly COVID hit me and I spend eternity in heaven, I better know that I got peace. 
Jesus in my heart. Now, I've already had COVID. I kicked it out. Amen? But I know that there are some, a small percentage of people that it affects them way stronger and way differently. And I don't know who those people are. I don't know what their blood type is. I don't know what's going on with all that. But I know one thing. I got my peace. I know Jesus is the answer. He is the Savior. No matter what we see happening in the world's realm, no matter what we hear in the news, no matter what we hear or see from, from people or other things or social media, Jesus is the reason for the season, and you need to know if you have his peace on the inside of you. Well, Pastor Troy, I know the cross story, and I know, I know you know the stories, but do you know him who the stories are about? These are not stories like Shrek. This is from the Bible. This is real. This isn't Hollywood. Jesus, the Savior of the world, the greatest visitation the world has ever known is when Jesus, by God himself, came and visited earth and brought us the Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you all stand here in the studio audience with me, those who are in person with us? Great for, thank you for being here today. And those of you who are online, I want to just pray. I want everybody just to close your eyes. And if you're at home or watching, obviously you don't need to close your eyes, but I want you to hear very clearly what I say. If you aren't 100% sure that you have the peace of Jesus in your heart, maybe you know of him, you, may, you know he exists, I, I, I get that, but do you know him? I just went and ministered at our Tijuana location a few weeks ago, and as I talked about know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. The one lady says, how do I know that I know, that I know, that I know him? And right then I knew that she did not know. Because the only reason you ask that question is because you don't know. And I led her and her daughter in a prayer of receiving Jesus right there. I don't know, that might have been our first salvation at our Tijuana campus, I'm not sure. But do you know that you know? And if you're not sure that you know, then you don't know. And you need to pray this prayer. I know that sounded like a Dr. Seuss rhyme, but praise the Lord. In your heart, when you receive Jesus Christ, you can point to the day, you can point to the hour, you can remember the season, you can remember the atmosphere. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, because it means so much to you and you've given your heart to it, you'll know. And so let's just pray today, and I pray that today you'll know that you'll have the Prince of Peace in your heart. Everybody pray this prayer. Say, Father God, I ask you, to forgive me of all of my sins. I thank you that your son Jesus visited earth, died for me, shed his blood for me. I choose today to receive him as my prince of peace, as my savior and Lord. Lord, I trust in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.